Reading from Psalm 127. Psalm 127. The title of the message for today is The Need to Depend on God. The Need to Depend on God. And particularly, the need to depend on God in our work, in our service, in our involvement in church, in all areas of life. We need to depend on God. Okay, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Father, for everyone who is here. Thankful for your word. Thankful, Father, that you teach us through your word. And Lord, we know you through your word. Father, I pray that you help me to preach, to speak for your glory. And that Lord, you'll help me, Father, to benefit those who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we're going to be dealing with the need to depend on God. And the text today is Psalm 127. It reads, A song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children, I heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Brothers and sisters, we live in a world that is run by workers, a world that is controlled by the working class, an economy that is influenced and controlled by workers, a world where work is emphasized. As early as high school, you started to think about the kind of job you wanted to do, the kind of career path you wanted to go into, the kind of a professional you wanted to be. And the truth is, we live in a work-oriented world. And while all that is good, after all, the Bible commands us to work, right? While all that is good, the motivation for that work may be wrong. And there are many motivations. People are motivated by money. People are motivated by wealth, by possessions, by success. And the most important one, people are motivated by independence. People want to be self-reliant. They want to be self-sufficient. They want to be able to do things by themselves, not to be dependent on anyone. And that's really what is preached in our day. We are taught about being independent. We are taught about being self-reliant. We are taught about the prosperity gospel, which is financial freedom, 
wealth, health, prosperity, breakthrough, all that is independence. We are motivated by independence. When you look at social media, when you look at TV, when you look at all the media outlets, all they speak about is independence. They try to motivate you to be self-sufficient. And the aim of this sermon today is to re-channel our thinking. It is to challenge our preconceived notions of success, especially in the context of church. To bring us back to a biblical understanding of work and service. And to help us do that, we turn to Psalm 127 and listen to the wisdom of Solomon. But first, we recap from last week. What have we learned from the previous weeks? In week one, Brother Dumi blessed us with the sermon, and we have learned that through the gospel, we are saved. And by being saved, we become children of God. And by that, we become members of a family, a family of God. We have learned how those who truly labor for the gospel are those who preserve, prioritize, and articulate the gospel. In week two, we have seen that through the Spirit, we are united in Christ, living in love, service, and hospitality towards one another. And we see that in both, both cases, labor and saving one another includes work. In both cases, work is emphasized. And even these good works can be done with the wrong motive. They can be done to impress or to gain favor or to gain popularity at church. They can be done for selfish reasons. And now we need to know how is our labor for the gospel and our acts of service to one another, how are they to be fruitful? How do we see fruits in our labor? And the answer that we get from this psalm is that our efforts will come to fruition when they are done in dependence on God. Only when we depend on God will our efforts be, fru be fruitful. And really, what is the meaning of this word dependence? It's a, it's a common word that we use every day. And it, it means reliance, means to trust, means to be subject to another, means to acknowledge the authority of another over you. To acknowledge the, pos the position one holds over us. And looking at this psalm, at first value, it might seem like a boring psalm. It might seem like a very vague and blunt psalm. It might seem like a psalm that talks about God's work and raising a family. But this psalm is an interesting psalm. It might confuse you especially if you don't read it carefully. But this is a captivating psalm. It is an immensely engaging and practical psalm, a lively psalm. And in this psalm we find true wisdom from the man Solomon himself. And of course, this is one of the psalms written by Solomon, and there are a few reasons for that. The first reason is that the title of the psalm a Song of Ascents of Solomon. So this is a psalm of Solomon. In verse 2, we read, we read, For he gives to his beloved sleep. 
In 2 Samuel 12, verse 25, God named David's son Solomon. He named him Jodediah, which means beloved of the Lord. And the other reason this is Solomon's son is that it speaks of children. And we know Solomon, since he had many wives, he probably had many children also. And the last reason is that this is a wisdom psalm. It is the style of the psalm is wisdom literature. And we know Solomon for his wisdom writings. Now let's look at the psalm. In this psalm, Solomon wants us to know something. He wants us to realize something. And by the way he starts the psalm already, he gives it away. He says, unless the Lord... Unless the Lord, verse 1. And here, brothers, we have a God-saturated view of life. We have a a God-saturated view of work. We have a a God-entrenched view of life and work. A God-oriented, God-focused view of work. Let's look at verse 1. What do we see? Unless the Lord builds the house... The second sentence, unless the Lord watches over the city. Verse 2, he gives to his beloved sleep. Verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord. Verse 3 again, children are a reward from the Lord. And here in this psalm, brothers, we see God working. We see God working. In building, he works. In watching, he works. In giving rest, sleep, he works. In giving children, he works. So we see a God-saturated view of life. That God is involved in all areas of our lives. And here we are to learn the primary involvement of God in every work undertaken. God governs the world and the life of man. And that to think we can succeed apart from him is to idolize ourselves. It is to idolize our abilities and resources. It is to think high of ourselves. It is to be arrogant, short-sighted, prideful, and most repeated. Calvin says, nothing happens prosperously to us except so far as God blesses our proceedings. And what is the ultimatum from this psalm? The ultimatum is that either it will be from the Lord it is pointless whatever you may be undertaking whatever you may be doing either it's from the Lord or it's pointless Solomon gives gives no room for a third option here it's either God or nothing either God will be involved in your life or it will be meaningless there is no meeting each other halfway you don't help God God only helps you And if God's help is not sought, if God's help is not provided, whatever we may be doing will be in vain. Let's look at John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. Let's listen to the words of Christ. John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you. 
as the branch cannot bear the fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Here is Christ saying, you can do nothing apart from me. He's basically saying you cannot be independent. Cannot be an independent Christian. Cannot be a self-saving, self-sufficient, self-reliant Christian. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. You'll achieve nothing through independence. And really to learn how to understand and to know why we should depend on God, we look at four ways God is involved in our lives. Four ways God is involved in our lives. Number one, in our social life, he is the builder of the house. Number two, in our civil life, he is the keeper of the city. Three, in our business life, he is the renewer of the worker. And in our domestic life, he is the blesser of the family. First one, he is the builder of the house. There are two ways in which this text can be understood. Unless the Lord builds the house, there are two ways in which the word house can be understood. can be understood to, to mean Solomon's house. No, Solomon built the temple for God. So this might be referring to Solomon as he built the temple for the Lord. And we see that the wisdom applied in this psalm was lost to Solomon himself because his kingdom went into ruin. If we read in 1 Kings 11, 11, we know that the kingdom of Solomon was a disaster. We would read that his marriage was a disaster, 1 Kings 11, 1 to 8. So the wisdom that he gives us here, he didn't apply to himself. And if he had applied this wisdom, his kingdom would have been great, his kingdom would have continued. But it is a warning to us that if we don't take this wisdom, if we don't live by this wisdom, all we'll do will be for nothing. The second way you can understand the way house, the, the word house is a house being a place that is in, in, inhabited by people, a home, a social unit. And in light of the second half of this psalm, that talks about children and parenting, we can understand why this word house can mean family. And the lesson here, brothers, is that whether we're building or creating, without God, there will be failure. Matthew 7, verse 7 to 20, uh, 26 to 27, we read about the foolish man who built his house on sand. The floods came, the wind blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. Great what is for. And brother says, we have planted a new church, a new family, a new social unit. Let us remember to have God as our foundation. Let us not be like the foolish man. Let us remember to have his word as a foundation for this church. Let us not build like the foolish man on the sand of money, 
on the send of resources, on the send of talents and abilities, but let us build on the rock of ages. Let God be the rock for this church. Let him be our foundation. Let him, the rock, be the one that holds our house in place. And if that will be true, brothers, we will see that when we meet floods, when we meet winds and trials and tribulations of many kinds, our house will remain standing because God is our foundation. Let's look at Genesis 11. Genesis 11 talks about the Tower of Babel. talks about the people of Shinar who build themselves a city and a tower to make a name for themselves. What is selfish region to build? What is selfish reason to build? They build because they wanted a name for themselves. They build because they wanted to be popular. They wanted to be known. They were building for selfish reasons. And what is the result of that? God confused their language. God confused their language so that they could not continue building anymore, so that they could not understand each other, and they were scattered throughout the whole earth. Let us not be a church that builds like the people of China. Let us not build for our name, to make a name for ourselves. Let us build for God. Let this church be built for God. Let people come here and hear God being praised and worshipped, not us. We see people in the world, they build for their names. You see the name of the church has the, the name of the pastor, you know. They build according to their abilities, prophetic ministries or healing ministries, you know. People build to be known. The more the church is known, the more the pastor is known. That's the motive. But we want to be a church that builds for God. We want to build to make him known, not to make ourselves known, not to make our name great, but to make his name known throughout the world. And that will only happen if we depend on God. This must be a church driven by dependence on God, a church motivated by dependence on God not by independence. To be a church that seeks the Lord's blessing. Not only the work, but the credit also belongs to God. We don't share it with Him. And there's a common language, do your best and God will do the rest. Does not, that does not apply. Does not apply to Christians. We don't, we don't help God. We don't do our part and He does His part. No. The language, do your best and God will do the rest, is deserving of condemnation, especially amongst Christians. Do away with this superficial language amongst yourself. To ascribe to yourself what only belongs to God is to rob him of his honor and glory. We are robbing God every time we ascribe any work to ourselves. This is a call for Christians to humble themselves. How few may be found who tend to God and do and do not wickedly exalt themselves. Calvin says, the most virtuous acts of piety will not suffice without the blessing of God's Spirit. Whatever we do, even our growth, our spiritual growth, we owe it to God. We should ascribe to God the honor He deserves. 
And the second point, he is the keeper of the city. From the small little unit of a family to a large city, God still works. Whether in maintaining the order of a family or the continuous of a successful government, God still works. Our leaders, politicians, and judges are all ordained by God, and if we don't pray for God's blessing on their leadership, we shall not see the fruits result from their labor. Their watching shall be in vain. The watchman shall not stop trouble from coming if God doesn't watch with him. Like the watchman could not stop the walls of Jericho from crashing down. If God is not with us, we should not be surprised when our communities, when they crumble, when our communities decline. We must pray for the communities. We must pray to God to help us, even in our communities. All our works and efforts will be for nothing if God does not follow them, if God is not involved. We want to see a revival. We must seek God's blessing. Cannot do it by ourselves. Evangelism cannot help us. Cannot do it by our own efforts. Inviting people to church won't bring revival if we don't pray. If we don't pray for God's blessing, we need to pray for God's special blessing. To depend on Him in every work that we do. Number three. God is the renewer of the worker. And you might be thinking, if God works out all things and ordains all things and without him nothing prospers, what is my role in all of this? Is it just to pray for his blessing and sleep? I mean, the text says, verse 2, he gives his beloved sleep. Does this mean that we should sleep and expect God to bless our work? Does this mean that we should not do anything, that we should lazy around? What is our role? And if we look at what the text says, what is our role? Let's look at verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So we are builders and we labor. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. We are watchmen. We stay awake. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are inherited from the Lord, the fruit of the womb they reward. But children cannot be done if we do not work, cannot be created if we do not work. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. How can a man fill his quiver if he does not work? So we see that this text calls us to work. We see that throughout the psalm, a worker is described. There is no indication of laziness in the psalm. And the answer to our question is that we work. We must work. Solomon is calling us to work. Dependence of God, dependence on God doesn't excuse us from hard work. Dependence of God is not a solution to your laziness. The solution to your laziness is not to get up 
The solution to your laziness is to get up and work. While you are working, do it for God. Colossians 3, verse 23 to 24. It says, whatever you do, work heartily with all your heart. Put in your very best effort. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Work like you're working for the Lord and not for men. So we see that the Bible calls us to work and to work hard. So Solomon here, by saying he gives his beloved sleep, he doesn't mean that we should lazy around and not work. We see that even when God created the first man, he put him in the garden to work it. Adam was put in the garden to work it. And the Bible says if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Therefore, it is important not to confuse what Solomon means by verse 2. When he says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Solomon is not here comparing the fruitless toil and effortless enrichment. He is not saying hard work and toil amounts to nothing, while rest and laziness brings fruit. No. However, what Solomon is comparing is dependence on God and independence. He's comparing a man who's dependent on God and a man who's independent on God. He says, a man who's independent relies on his abilities. He rises up early, he goes late to rest, late to rest he eats the bread of anxious toil because all he has is his works. All he has is his hands, his abilities, all he has is his resources. But a man who's dependent on God works, he takes sleep, and he works by day. He sleeps by night. He rests in the fact that God loves him and gives him rest. Solomon is trying to teach us that working harder is not the answer to our prosperity and fruitfulness. Yes, a man who works hard will have some level of success, but that success will be in vain. It's not simply that our project will fail if we work all the time, but that they will lead nowhere. Graham Scrooge says, what is said is that the most laborious toil, if it be divorced from reliance upon God, can bring only anxiety and weariness. That's what the text is saying. The most laborious work will only bring anxiety and weariness if God is not depended upon. And therefore Solomon has presented to us two extremes here. One extreme is the one who lazes around. Laziness. And the other extreme is a man who overworks. He works all day, doesn't sleep at night, rises up early, goes late to rest, keeps on working. It is an extreme. And they both show the lack of dependence on God. But what is our answer? Our answer, the last sentence of verse 2, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Two principles to help us work with the right attitude. The first principle is to embrace being loved. God calls us his beloved. Second principle is to embrace the gift of rest. God 
gives sleep. We work, but we work restfully. So that there's a healthy balance between overworking and rest. We don't overwork, and at the same time, we don't lazy around, but we work restfully. Realizing that sleep is a gift from God to his beloved. George Knight says, Since sleep is God's kindly gift to all mankind, how much more is it a mark of his steadfast love to his beloved, his own covenant people? Therefore, brothers, God renews us with peace and rest. Let's look at Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus Christ calling us from our toy, is calling us to rest, is calling us to embrace the gift of sleep. He's calling us, saying, seeing that we are heavy laden, seeing that we are labored, seeing that we are tired of working, he calls us to rest. Therefore, brothers, even as we work in this church, let us not overwork ourselves. Let us depend on God to bring fruits to the work that we do. Let us not put trust in the amount of work we can put out, but let's put our trust on God. Put our trust in God to make it fruitful. Four, God is the blesser of the family. And we see here in verse 3 that even children are a heritage from God, a reward from God. So God works even in providing children. The heritage, the word heritage and reward, they are the opposite of fortune and strength. So you see here that even in building a family, even in your own family, it's not by fortune and it's not by strength. The success of your family depends on God. It's not the stronger the man, the more fitted he is for children. No, but that God, as it seems good to him, distributes to every man his share of them. And what is the benefit? Children who are raised in dependence on God, that is in diligence and care, those children go, grow up to be a blessing to their parents. They are like an arrow, ready to be released against enemies. Children carry the legacy of the, the parents forward, and when a man stands in the gates against enemies, his children, if they are raised well, will protect him, so that he is not put to shame. And this is what Solomon means by this text. This is what he means when he says, Behold, children are inherited from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Therefore we see that even as we raise children in this church, we must raise them with trust, trusting God for them, 
raise them with care, be diligent with these children, teaching them the ways of God. We know that they, when they grow up, they'll be, they'll be a blessing to us. Let me conclude. This text, brothers, eliminates all attempts to look to self. All attempts to be meaningful by ourselves are brought to nothing. The resources that we have cannot help us if we do not seek God. Our talents become a tool for the devil if God does not bless them. To depend on God, therefore, is to acknowledge the position of God. It is to acknowledge that he sits enthroned in heaven. This is a position of authority, a position of power. God upholds the universe with his power. God is in his own rank. He is not to be compared to anyone or anything. His power is exclusive only to him. When we look to self and depend on our strength, we rob God of what belongs only to him. We take away the honor that is due only to him. This we do only to our shame and regret. And isn't it true, brothers, that sometimes God will humble us so that we quit looking to ourselves. Sometimes we go through difficult times so that God can teach us to depend on him. God shows us how weak we are in ourselves and he directs our attention to himself. It might just be that God is exposing a weakness so that we may learn that he sits enthroned in heaven holding all the power in his hands. Therefore, brothers, let us depend on God because he holds the power of the universe. Even as we begin this church plant, let us remember to depend on God, to seek his blessing in all that we do. Let us depend on God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word. So thankful, Father, for how you bless us with your word. Help us, Lord, to enjoy your word for ourselves. Help us through this word, Lord, to learn to depend on you in our work, in our activities, in our school, academics. Lord, help us to depend on you. Help us, Father, to be a church that depends on you, a church that relies on you, a church, Father, that realizes that you are greater than itself. Church, Father, that realizes that you cannot survive without you. Lord, help us to grow a church and a family that believes that you are truly God and you hold the power of the universe. And without you, nothing we can do will prosper. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing our closing song, Peace and Love.